G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Uh, And we're going to be talking about the intersection between creativity and spirituality. Our guest today is Rod Pattenden. He's an artist, an education and a writer based in Newcastle in New South Wales. He's an adjunct fellow with the Australian Centre for Christianity and Culture. And his new book is called Imagination in an Age of Crisis. Rod's been exploring how the human imagination is formed, sustained, employed and expanded. The book asks, what contribution do the arts make in a world facing the impacts of globalism, climate change, pandemics and losses of culture? It's another book on the shortlist for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year. Uh, Rob's website is rodpattenden.id.au. You can look him up. And it's a privilege to welcome him to the airwaves today in uh, sunny Newcastle. How are you, Rod? Look, I'm I'm with the other half of Australia. We're all sick with the flu, so I'm home, nice and warm in the in the, in a sunny spot. So I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I used to uh, do a, a Christian radio show when I was 18 years old in Newcastle many uh-huh. years ago, and I've got lots of fond memories of Newcastle and some great beaches there too. Hey. Yeah, it's a great it's a great city. Everyone drives past, but it's a beautiful jewel to live. Great place to live. Yeah, mm, fantastic. Now, mate, uh, let's find out a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? So I'm a Sydney boy. Uh, grew up um, in uh, inner city Sydney in the North Shore, and uh, um, I think you you were alluding to my experiences with the church. And I have a really unfortunate story that my parents took me to Sunday school at the age of five and I cried so much they asked me not to come back the next week. So that that was a a pretty uh, awful beginning. But... uh, but uh, but uh, certainly in my teenage years, I got involved in the in the local church, which had a great ministry with a coffee shop and uh, you know bands and sort of really uh, was appealing to young people. So I got very much involved and got involved with the youth group. And so yeah, around the age of nineteen, uh, when I was actually at art school myself, um, I got uh, yeah committed uh, my life to Christ and got very much involved in the local church, which has sustained me since. Well, I always love to hear about people's conversion stories? Was it like at a church service or an outreach or a camp? How did it happen? Yeah, at a church service, there was an evangelist uh, who uh, we knew of who was visiting and, uh, yeah, made me think about, well, where was my life headed and what what was, you know, what was based and nourishing for me. And um, the figure of Christ was um, that that gracious offer of love and, um, yeah, forgiveness. And was there a big change in your life? Yeah, I got um, yeah more focused around um, where I was headed, which was pr- pretty good because I was at art school, which is a pretty hairy place to be um, educated. Um, was full of all sorts of uh, interesting folk and things going on. So yeah, it was a, a pretty crucial rudder in my life in a time that probably I didn't have much of a rudder. And tell us a bit about uh, the next steps for you. So you were at art school, you'd come to Christ. Uh, what was it like trying to follow Jesus? Uh, in the midst of that world, were, were there lots of uh, 
you know, uh, battles that you had spiritually in that season? Yeah, well, I think um, it was unusual uh, for someone like me to be at art school because, you know, there's you, most people probably think it's a fairly – uh, a place of great temptation and and uh, dislocation, um, but I I really enjoyed um, tuning uh, my imagination and and being able to think otherwise and and to be creative that that was actually part of um, God's great gift to me rather than a liability and I eventually decided um, you know th- that I I'd respond to a sense that I was called as a minister and. I remember all the other people at theological college who were all good folks, like teachers and accountants. They could, you know, count their blessings. Um, they were a pretty boring lot, so um, they would always ask me, "Oh, you're such a creative guy. What, you know, what are you doing being a minister?" But it seemed to me that um, I think Christian faith is um, th- thoroughly creative and and energizing and. And it needs artists and visionaries as much as uh, good teachers and uh, people to count the count the offering. Well, I have a little bit of a, a similar story uh, in in the respect that I went to a school of creative arts in Sydney in Brookvale when I was uh, nineteen. Oh, Brookvale! Yes, I had yeah. good friends who taught there actually. Yeah. yeah, and I was in drama and music was my two electives. So I was uh, into the creative arts myself and in radio as well, and uh, ended up being a youth pastor for ten years and. Uh, a pastor now for 17 years, but I found that it was great training because, you know, you get confidence when you're performing, you, you learn uh, how to relate to it, the audience, the crowd, the congregation that you're ministering to, you know, um, and yeah. you learn to be creative in your preaching yeah. as well because... Be, have a sense of confidence of being absolutely in the moment and everything will be okay. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about your journey into ministry. So wh- where was your first church that you were pastoring in? I was at uh, Paddington in inner city Sydney, mm-hmm. um, which is um, ran or still runs the Paddington markets, mm-hmm. and it was an opportunity to explore well what was the role of the arts. So we opened up the church as a performance venue, had the Acapella Society um, and art exhibitions right in the middle of this very vibrant um, streetscape. So. A very secular, um, you know, hard crowd to, to break, uh, you know, to, to kind of engage. But I think uh, through the arts, it raised a, a, um, you know, a more of a congenial, uh, generous way of getting people to think about what life really means to them. So that was a great op- opportunity. I was there for 17 years, which is a really long stretch in the city, you know, rough rough edges, but yeah, uh, um, opportunity to yeah do some sparkling things, and then I moved on to chaplaincy at university, Macquarie University, for ten years, and then the last uh, ten or twelve years I've been at Adamstown here in Newcastle, and I've, and I've just retired. You know, just twiddling my thumbs, wondering what to do next um, <laughs> with my life. <laughs> I, I couldn't even find any classes they were offering on how to retire disgracefully. So, well, let's write a book and do all the things you can do. So tell us a bit about this new book. It's got uh, 35 individual contributions. How did it come about? Well, it's an interesting animal, this book. It's a big thunking volume. It's 345 pages. So it's a like, it's a bit of a brick for, for a book these days. But it was um, a collaboration with uh, Jason Goronsky, who's uh, Associate Professor of Theology at Whitley College, part of the University in, of Divinity. And um, Jason and I found we had a common passion for for this conversation 
between art creativity and theology, thinking about um, the shape of life. And we started a blog site, Arts and Theology Australia, which um, regularly posts articles uh, reflecting on the conversation between art and, and music and theology. And then in the middle of uh, COVID, we had planned um, this fabulous conference with all these great speakers and we had like academic uh, perspectives as well as performance, performing arts and music and an exhibition. It was terrific stuff. And and then we got to July 2020 and, um, you know, Melbourne was the, was the most severe lockdown place in Australia. So our conference uh, came to an end and so in the middle of that um Difficulty. Difficulties always encourage you to think sideways. So we thought, well, why not a book? And uh, with everyone locked at home, we were able to get uh, quite a diverse number of people to reflect on uh, the role of the imagination and the arts. So it's an interesting book. It's got great color illustrations. It has about a third of the content is by academics from around the world, uh, writing on music or uh, imagination or cultural perspectives, and then there's about another third, a uh, great collection of fine poets. So um, it kind of examples what art can do rather than talking just about art. And then another third is uh, from practitioners, artists, musicians, writers who actually contribute some creative work. So we've got an interesting book, which is would be a, an appeal to obviously thoughtful um, academic types or, or pastors or leaders or or people working with the role of the imagination and then also uh, a beautiful set of poems and uh, and then short reflective pieces. So there's something for everybody. Uh, it, it's got it's got a we wanted to kind of create this hybrid uh, conversation between academic stuff and then the practitioners, which often um, is is a bit of a clunky conversation academics like to talk to themselves and artists and musicians sort of get shoved to the edge so uh, here's an opportunity to have a big conversation and I think the the guiding edge to it was my god look look at the difficult uh, way in which the world is being shaped um, it, it's it's a difficult horizon there's war in Europe there's you know climate shifts awful weather patterns there's a general anxiety in our population about, you know, the certainty of what the future offers. And and I guess our, our offering is, is, well, that's why we need artists and poets to reimagine hope, like to give us reasons for getting up each day and struggling and really believing in the big picture stuff about about hope and what that might mean in, in our culture. And, you know, I've always loved the quote, you know, that God created us to be creative. And, you know, the Bible says that we're created in the image of God, you know, and if God is a creative God, therefore we should be creative. Do you just want to unpack that for us and, and speak to that uh, that thought? Yeah, well, that's, that's an interesting question because I, I have a, a, a sort of two, uh, two voices come to the f- front of my mind in regard to that question, and one is the the Christian pious response is that, oh, don't, don't sing too loud, don't move, don't draw attention to yourself, it's all it's all got to be about God, or to, to have a sense of, oh, wow, it's just fantastic to be alive, I want to express it, I want to uh, enjoy the gifts I've been given, my capacity to think or dance or, or whatever it is. So so I, I know I inherited in my own Christian background this uncertainty about 
whether I, I could be fabulous, whether I could be excellent, whether I could really push my talents and capacities uh, or, or whether that was going to be distracting from, uh, you know, my sense of faithfulness to, to God's call. So, so for, for me, I think that's been really a guiding line in my life. Um, and, and I've decided, I suppose, that, that art is so important um, and that Christians need to be involved in, in, in secular pursuits and, and in this area of the arts in Australia that, that um, yeah, that, that's certainly the answer to, to, to my own question is really um, God calls us to be the best we can possibly be. The glory of God is a person fully alive, and uh, that's one of those ancient uh, sayings back in the 16th century, one of the uh, statements of faith that we all have a call uh, to be excellent, what we, uh, what we to put our best feet forward and, and yeah, to, to glorify God by um, do, doing not only doing our best, but to actually enjoy what it is to be human. And I think that's what the world's looking for, human beings that are fully alive. Mm, absolutely, I love that quote. That the glory of God is man fully alive, and you know, when when it comes to inspiration for art, whether it be writing a book or writing some music, performing some music, dance, you know, wh- whatever creativity you get into, um, I'm curious to know uh, where does the inspiration come from? You know, sometimes you could have writer's block, and you you know, you just can't get those words on the paper. You know, sometimes you you can't think what to paint next. You know. Uh, Tell, tell us for you personally, you know, you're, a, you're an artist yourself, what inspires you in your creativity? Um, yeah, I think, I think I like being an amateur at things. Like, I, like I'm a painter, so I've, I've, since my retirement, I've been paying a lot of attention to painting, which is a practice, and you do it every day, and you do have those moments where you kind of go dry and you're not sure well, I put the paintbrush down and put some music on and I dance. It's a bit embarrassing, 67-year-old guy dancing in the house next door, but <laughs> I don't, don't put music too, too much on. But I've just noticed that you shift modes and you can regenerate that sense of joyful uh, sense. It's what, it's what God's given us a body for, I think, is to enjoy um, that sense of creativity so I th- I think that's really getting out of y- out of your head, out of yourself. Uh, we're often very cerebral, reflective folk, and um, to have a bigger picture, have a sense of moving myself out of the centre of of my thoughts, or you know, the oh, what am I eating next? What am I anxious about? And then finding myself. Well, I suppose it's a state of grace. Um, you realise that you're part of something bigger, and and that you're blessed and. And and life is your life is being sustained by a whole lot of other things that are really outside of yourself, and we would include God in that. But it's friendships and food and stuff. Life's bigger than me. My life is bigger than me. Um, is probably the answer to to your question. If you've got a question or a comment, call now one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. And we've got Pam from Bowen on the line. How are you, Pam? I'm good, thank you. Have you got a question or a comment for Rod? I've got a comment. Um, I'm, I'm really, I really connected with what you were um, talking about, Rod, and I, I can't wait to read your book. Um, I'm an artist, and I actually have been um, tapping into creativity since I was a child, and I really see the connection between spirituality and the arts, and uh, it really excites me. That's 
you know, like what you're focusing on, you know, with the book. And uh, I can see that people need that in their everyday lives, you know. Creativity is just something that you thrive on and, and it, it, it brings you alive. Rod, any, any thoughts or comments for Pam? Oh, well, what an excellent recommendation, Pam. That's that's uh, great, great news. I think creativity is, um, yep. Sorry, I lost touch there for a minute. Yeah, go, go ahead, Rod. Oh, just to enjoy Pam's affirmation. I think um, uh, often when ministers or clergy talk about spiritual disciplines um, that we should sustain in their life, I always recommend us to read the Bible and to spend time quietly praying. But um, I think Pam's affirmation is that creativity is also a spiritual discipline, that it's it's a good to practice failing and to get up again and create. It's uh, it's a, like a, a sense of resilience. Uh, human beings who fail eloquently are often, to, uh, often more resilient in their capacity to, you know, work hard and, and to deal with long-term change. So it's a great resource. Creativity is not just for artists. It's something um, that all humans need. That's definitely right. And like um, what you were saying too, you know, like just... Um it, it actually uh, calms your mind, and in the last, you know, three three years or so, um, it's just been like um, something that you can go to every day. It's like the pro- it's it's not about the outcome; it's about the process. I find, mm. um, and uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that's that's a good uh, comment you made there about the process. The process is 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 itself something worth engaging in rather than always being concerned about the outcomes. Um, we're always wanting to be perfect or, or arrive at the end, um, but we learn a lot about ourselves and, and deepen our engagement with life and, and with grace and God through just engaging in that process, giving ourselves time to incubate a fuller sense of breathing in life. Definitely. It gives you more time to be in the moment, doesn't it, you know? Uh, instead of focused on the busyness of life, um, creativity in any form, you know, could be poems, it could be, like, it's it's very broad, isn't it? It's not just narrow, it's everything. Mm. And I think given we live in a consumer society, we're always um, being trained to be anxious about what happens next or whether we'll have enough uh, clothing or food. Um, anxiety is something that's conjured in a sense, by the world in which we live. So it's quite countercultural uh, to be happy, to be content, to be quiet. Uh, these are great practices that help us consume less and and find yeah, a deep sense of contentment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm really excited about what you're talking about today. I was driving the car when um, it came on the radio and I knew that I had to listen to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because it's like I, I used to I used to teach art and I haven't taught it for a while. Um, but I just um, you know even in the everyday encouraging people to um, you know release their gifts and and um, do what God wants them wants them to be doing. You know, um, being peaceful and um, restful, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, just tuning into God's truth. And that's, mm. you know, it's we are the peacemakers, aren't we? You know, so yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. No matter how old. Well, well, no matter how how old you are or young you you are, um, there's always that important capacity to be childlike, to be able to play, um, and to put aside fear and to yeah to to yeah be be creative and find a deeper sense of life. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Pam, thank you so much for your call. And I did visit uh, beautiful you, Bowen. I visited Bowen, uh, sorry, Bowen in uh, Queensland uh, about a year and a half ago. Beautiful part of the world. And there's a great cinema there where uh, Nicole Kidman yeah. uh, had her movie and, and Hugh Jackman. Is that right? The movie Australia. Is that right in Bowen? Yeah, definitely. That's where um, the movie Australia was um, filmed. That's a lot right. Of it was filmed here. And um, yeah, I've got some, I've got some uh, art in the cinema, actually. The. Oh. Um, Cinema owner asked me to put some art up on the walls in the cinema. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just a beautiful old cinema, isn't it? Well, there you go. I would have seen your art when I was there with my family, uh, watching the Spider-Man yeah. movie. There you go. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. All right, Pam, we better go. Bye. But thanks for your call. Yeah. Uh, bless you. Bye bye. All right, phone lines are open, 1-800-316-316. Our guest uh, for the next 30 minutes or so is Dr. Rod Pattenden. Um, and uh, we just had a caller uh, during the news there, Rod, who was uh, calling and asking about the, the first five commandments and how they relate to art. Uh, would you like to unpack that question for us, Rod? Yeah, I think uh, zeroing in on the on the commandment says that there shall be no graven image. Uh, there is uh, within the Christian tradition an, an uncertainty about the role of images. Uh, you have the Catholic and Orthodox tradition, which um, uses images quite amply, beautifully to express um, the divine. And then, of course, Protestant uh, traditions that are probably less or well, more suspicious of uh, of the imagination and particularly images. And what that recognises, of course, is how powerful images are. The first thing you do when you take over a country is to take down the dictator's image or to topple uh, the icons of power. Uh, images uh, are, are seductive. They shape us. They cause tears. They stir our emotions. Um, it's not uncommon to go to an art gallery, the state galleries, and see people crying, sniffing their tears, because uh, when we have the time to, uh, to to see and to reflect on things, um, it deeply moves us. So part of our faith tradition is to recognise um, that images are powerful and that um, our understanding of God is not contained in any one image. Um, there's the, otherwise, the image becomes the God. So is, there is that um, tendency to make idols out of things, to put up uh, household gods that uh, rule our lives. Um, we're not here to serve images, but um, there, is, there is this yeah, unsettling anxiety within the tr history of Christianity about the role of images, which I find really interesting. Uh, that's really interesting for an art historian to say, well, why do people cry? Why do people attack images? Why, why, why does that occur? And that's probably some evidence of, um, of their power and effect on us. I, I've been, um, for many, many years, was chair of the Blake Prize for Religious Art, and I was always getting myself into trouble in Sydney with either an archbishop or, or someone else important because of the possible offence or, or disruption contained in some of these very... Um, expressive contemporary artists um, putting in works which they considered to be 
uh, religious in nature, and it was certainly evidence of the capacity of images to unsettle us. Um, but I kind of really like that. I think, you know, you get settled in your ways of thinking and sometimes it's good to be um, nudged out of um, one's affections or commitment to, to the way you see things. God is not contained in any one image or, or, or we never grasp fully who God is or God isn't. Um, we, we have to keep open that possibility that there's more more to our understanding of the profound divine nature of God. So. So um, it's good territory, um, uh, and, and just to notice what we ourselves um, become attached to, what images we we become attached to. So, so the role of artists then is to offer us unsettling images, but also stir our imagination so that we actually do um, hang on to images that are worth living for. Absolutely, uh, they give us life, hope. Well, our guest today is Rod Pattenden, an artist, art historian, and educational facilitator interested in the connection between spirituality and the arts. And Rod's with us uh, for another 15 minutes or so. If you've got a question, now is the time to give us a call, 1-800-316-316. We're exploring the relationship between spirituality and the creative arts. We'd love to hear from you, 1-800-316-316. Now, Rod, I, I just... Uh, was thinking before, in our discussion just before the news, we were talking about how people are so rushed and busy these days. And uh, we were chatting to Pam from Bowen about how she loves to uh, paint and take her time to be creative. And I was thinking, you know, we, we have a lot of mental health problems in this day and age. People are so stressed and anxious and worried and busy, busy, busy all the time. But when it comes to creativity, you really need to set some time aside to uh, let the creative juices flow, so to speak. Um, tell us what you do as an artist. H how do you set aside your time? Like, are you better early in the morning or do you do it late at night? Or w w when do you have your creative time? Well, are we not driven by demands and agendas and commitments? Um, our life is shaped where we, we actually probably mostly experience our life being out of our own personal control, given our commitment to doing everything for everybody else. So to take time uh, for your own creative practice, um, something that might even be deeply nurturing, it feels selfish, it feels um, out of character, um, but it seems from my personal experience it's deeply sustaining and that I need to have space in my life every day, every week, every month where I'm nurturing uh, a bigger sense of myself, a deeper connection to God and and engendering a sense of love and compassion uh, i'm feeling burnt out if i don't have this capacity to love and to be generous towards others so to give myself the space um is is extremely important so i have this really weird spiritual practice when i'm feeling rushed um, and hassled uh when i'm particularly under pressure what i do is stand still and i make sure i to get run over or you know knocked over in the traffic but <laughs> to, to walk aside and i think oh i'm really hassled i've got to do this so i step aside look at my watch and wait for one minute and i just take that moment to breathe and be still and connect myself to my inner core and that sense of god's grace so um that's my restorative one minute thing the one-minute prayer or the one-minute, I am not going to be ruled by the agendas that shape me. I'm going to shape in turn my life instead. So that's my little practice. My other practice is to 
put on a piece of music and dance for five minutes like no <laughs> one's watching, you know, that lovely thing on the fridge um, to let out all the tensions. And I think often as human beings we carry all of this in our body. We're deeply informed by all the things that are, uh, impact us. So to actually dance and move is to feel it like just flowing inside to outside. Ah, I'm alive, I can move, I'm not constrained, I, I have that sense of freedom. So that's another weird practice. It's my own personal thing. Um, I've never tried to do that at church on a Sunday. I'm sure a few people <laughs> probably walk out um, pr pretty quickly. Not everyone is a mover or shaker, but um, it's good to just uh, just to let it out, as it were, have that practice. Yeah. And then uh, walking would be my other thing. I, 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 it's praying with your eyes open, mm. uh, enjoying the creation, and just breathing into that sense of God's grace underlying all things. Wonderful. Well, Rod, we've got uh, Richard from Alstonville on the line. Uh, if you do want to call through and ask a question, you can call on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the relationship between spirituality and the creative arts. Uh, g'day, Richard. Welcome along. Have you got a question or a comment for Rod? Um, yeah, I do have a question. Um, I, I was thinking about you talking about art and how it, it um, evokes certain feelings in people so from a Christian point of view, a spiritual point of view. Um, it, think about the, um, is it the, the museums in America um, where uh, African American, of the African American um, persecution stuff the 60s and 80s and stuff and I was, I was wondering is there any correlation from sort of that sort of art photography to the, the, the Christian gospel movement in America and is there anything we can see that you know where the spirit has moved out of that what are your thoughts Rod yeah that's a, a nicely speculative um, connection I mean the 60s were a time of great ferment um, you've got the hippie movement at Woodstock and the Jesus Revolution, um, it was a time of change, and 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 certainly from my point of view, a time of reimagining. You know, things uh, things have got to be a bit different than they have been. The ideals that we have inherited from our parents have resulted in um, the likelihood of a nuclear holocaust. So, so um, the 1960s was a time of great ferment. Um, I kind of look back with nostalgia to that, whether this is the kind of thing we now need in terms of the kind of troubles we face with climate change and, and war in Europe and and, uh, and COVID too, which this book came out of, um, forced us out of our patterns to think again about who we love, what our, what is the nature of community, how do we live together as human beings, and that also needs to be restored and reimagined. And that didn't answer your question. Um, you've actually opened up a really... Um, Bigger set of questions there. Did you want to comment further on that? Um, oh, it's it's kind of a hard one to, to delve into, but I, I I thought of that. I watched a movie one time where where they were talking about um, the museums. Where I mean, it goes back to the eighteen hundreds. Um, but but the lady was explaining out of it the story that that um, her 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 pain and suffering didn't come from necessarily the the what happened but from the it was both it was from from what happened but also um love and peace that came came out of that after the struggle and and what um what was born in the gospel movement it was kind of, it's kind of hard to explain 
unless you've seen it. Any, any sure. thoughts? So yep. you're, talk, you're talking about the black African-American experience. So uh, I'm talking about it as, as oh, it's kind of hard to put in the spiritual thing. Um, where How you relate it to what, what God did through you know, like I guess, I guess one of the one of the the um, best things is Amazing Grace and um, William Wilberforce and John Newton. That's probably the closest um, explanation I can I can draw to it. What are your thoughts on that, Rod? Sure. Well, you're touching on some big questions, uh, which this book uh, does deal with about cult, the nature of the gospel and culture. One of the essays in in the book is by Amina McIntyre. She's an African-American scholar who looks at some of the writings that have come out um, of the African-American experience, Toni Morrison and other authors, where they um, connect Christianity to the black African-American experience of God as liberator, as hope, as a source of cultural resistance. And uh, that's a really difficult, interesting set of dynamics where you have Christians on both sides of the question of slavery. There were some people in the 1800s who were saying, well, God has ordained um, different cultures and different races to have different roles. And so white people, um, they're the managers, uh, black people are the workers. But God was also at work within black culture and the gospel movement, jazz, uh, all sorts of cultural forms come out of the black African-American experience as a form of questioning and resistance. So that's really interesting, complicated stuff where where you see the official uh, image of Jesus as a white person and then this other image of Jesus as the black change agent, the disruptor, the bringer of hope. So um, that's always that anxiety that you think you know where Jesus is on an issue. Um, here is an example where... Um, there were different views and, and different power relationships, I think. Mm. Any more uh, questions or comments there, Richard? No, that's all. Thanks, guys. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your call. And phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. And, uh, right, I'll just uh, pipe in there my two cents uh, thinking about the song Amazing Grace. Uh, you know, it's uh, an amazing testimony of John Newton, isn't it? You know, after being a slave trader... And being on one side of the fence, uh, after coming to Christ and realizing, hey, I was doing the wrong thing. I was a sinner. And uh, writing that song, it, it is a wonderful example of, you know, art changing the whole world, really. I mean, that song is the second most sung song around the world behind the song Happy Birthday. Um, it's probably uh, well known, more well known than, than, you know, it's definitely more well known than many other songs. And it came out of that uh, horrific time. But it's interesting how, you know, beauty comes out of the ashes, so to speak. Mm, sure. It's pers- I suppose what's interesting to me is it's both personal and political. Mm. Uh, because that song comes, uh, comes, is also a kind of a, a protest about the kind of um, co- colonialism of, mm. of uh, London. When you, when, you, when you go to London, we all, we all go to London as Australians to kind of experience British culture, and then you walk down... Um, down in, near Downing Street, Big Ben, all those buildings in that street were built by money from India and Australia. So part part of the realization is um, slave trading and and oppression of other cultures is part of our history. And uh, as we um, connect our own lives with this story of um, 
uh, of love and, and God's grace. It's also something that's disruptive within the larger culture. It just raises questions for me about our role in Australian culture as a church because uh, we know the church no longer is at the centre of Australian culture. We live in a kind of postmodern environment, um, so we've been pushed to the edge, and it gives us a new role, I think, mm. um, to to be subversive and questioning of the assumptions about what it is to be a good citizen. Mm, absolutely. Now, Rod, uh, before we go, uh, if people do want to get their hands on this book, it's called uh, Imagination in an Age of Crisis. And uh, with your co-editor, Jason Garonzi. Did I pronounce that correctly, Garonzi? Yep, Garonzi, yep. Yep. Uh, people want to find the book. It's uh, been shortlisted in the top 10 Australian Christian books of the year. Um, where is the book available if people want to get their hands on it? I think it's easily available. You can, you can actually purchase it from the publisher's website. That's Whip and Stock or Pickwick Publications. And uh, thankfully, it's printed in Melbourne, um, one of those clever things with digital uh, stuff these days. So I got my copies within a couple of days um, in beautiful colour. And uh, it's a big book. It's something to be shared. Um, um, yeah, but something in there for everyone. Fantastic. And if people want to find out more, uh, they can also search up your website, uh, rodpattenden.id.au. People can search up Rod Pattenden to find out more. And uh, sure. it's been... Also the Theology in the Arts website um, has a, is a good place to get background information on the book. Fantastic. I notice you're on all the social media channels as well, so people can search you up online as well. Sure. Uh, Rod, it's been wonderful to connect with you today, mate, and uh, g'day to everyone in uh, beautiful Newcastle where you're uh, Skyping us from. It's been wonderful to have you on the radio with us today, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your hospitality. Thanks very much. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.